Americas, live and underway from Doha. As we approach the last weekend of action at the 2022 World Cup. Third place game tomorrow. Final on Sunday alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. You're rocking that jacket a lot these days, huh? It's cold. I'm telling you, people, people sleep on how cold it is here in Qatar. We're next to the waters, what people don't realize. Yes. I mean, look at us. We're complaining about the cold. We're broadcasting back to the United States. Half the Northeast right now is like... I live in, I live in Cali, bro. I, I live know, in L.A. I it know. is cold for me. You, you realize the United States is not just California. There are other parts. <laughs> the world if. does not revolve around you, though. As I know. If. I know you think uh, that it does. Look, we got a lot to get to on this here show. Uh, potential transfer news. Luis Suarez coming our way. But not where a lot of people might have thought. Okay? Might be Major League Soccer. Might also be Liga Mekis involved there. Uh, and then we're also going to do a post-mortem on Canada's World Cup. We've kind of been trying to do it, uh, but we finally found a guy, Chris Jones uh, of the CBC. I actually got to play pick-up soccer with him. I said, hey, why don't you come on our show and, and help us break down what happened with Canada here at this familiar. World Cup. But, but Canada is long gone here at the 2022 World Cup. You know who isn't? France. They're still alive. Going to take on Argentina on Sunday in the final. But there's some big news around this French team, and that is that a flu bug has hit their camp. Remember, uh, Dayo Upamecano and Adrian Rabiot both missed the semifinal. Uh, Kingsley Coman was described by Didier Deschamps as being, quote, fever-ish. On top of that, Rafael Varane and Ibrahim Konate are reportedly sick. Julian Laurent telling me a couple hours ago that both those guys were isolated from the team, spent the day in their respective hotel rooms. Uh, so we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but why don't we hear now from Usmane Dembele, uh, who was on the podium earlier today. Si j'ai passé quatre belles années à Barcelone. Voilà, c'est un joueur exceptionnel. J'ai toujours dit c'est l'un des joueurs qui m'a fait aimer le Barça avec euh, André Iniesta. Et puis voilà, je suis très je suis très content de l'avoir eu euh, comme coéquipier, j'ai passé quatre belles années avec lui et dans le vestiaire franchement c'est une personne très simple, très calme, il aidait énormément les jeunes, moi je venais d'arriver, je me rappelle j'étais à côté de lui dans le vestiaire, il m'a beaucoup apporté et difficile de, de contrer Lionel Messi mais on va, on va tout faire pour, pour qu'il touche le moins de ballons etc parce qu'il est très très dangereux. Il y a beaucoup plus de calme, un peu plus d'expérience, comme on a vécu ça aussi en 2018. Et puis voilà, on veut, on veut bien préparer cette finale. Ça va être un, un grand jour. Et je pense que toute l'équipe est, est prête mentalement pour, pour, pour ce combat, parce que ça ne va pas être facile. L'Argentine, très bonne équipe, avec un très gros collectif. Je pense qu'ils sont meilleurs qu'en qu 2018. Et puis voilà, on se prépare très tranquillement, sereinement et à tout donner. Parlez-vous français? Uh, not since junior high. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. We will uh, we'll effort uh, subtitles the next time around. Here's what uh, Kylian Mbappe had to say. This is actually uh, from a while back. Quote, the advantage that we European favorites have is that we always play each other and we have high-level matches. Argentina and Brazil don't have that level of competition in South America. The football is not as developed. Mbappe, who again, this is from a while ago, would continue. It's not as developed as in Europe. That is why most recent World Cup winners have been Europeans. All right, again, just 
Just to remind you, this was pre-World Cup. He's not saying this now, but still, he said it. Shots fired, Herc. Are they warranted? And would you have said the same thing had you been sitting in Mbappé's shoes? Mbappé? Yeah. <laughs> you say whatever you want, right? <laughs> I say what I want now. Imagine if I was Mbappé. Can I state the obvious, though? Like, there's a very good chance, if not in the final, in the semifinal, somewhere along the line, you're going to play not just a South American team, but probably like a... Uh, Brazil or in Argentina, South American power. And why? Why and would you, you could lose, but the argument is still valid. Right, that's but, the case. Do you, but I guess my point is, why would you even think about giving bulletin board material, or do you not think this is this would be bulletin this board? This is material? bulletin board material, especially for Argentina. Absolutely, I right. could see Debo Martinez after the game if they win, right. bringing this back up into light. <laughs> He's not lying, though. Right. Think about this: knockout stages from the Americas. Mm -hmm. There were three teams. Brazil, Argentina, the U.S. men's national yeah. team. Copa America, the hardest World Cup qualifying campaign, which is Comunibol. Copa America, two groups of five. Okay. Yeah. You're they playing play a lot of games. 20 for matches to get rid of <laughs> Bolivia and Venezuela and then do it all over again. Ecuador, steady, who had steady. three ties and a Alejandro loss, made it, he will tell you the same Don't thing, be made Venezuela. it on to the next round. There are deficiencies in this hemisphere. Is it deficiencies when or is it, it comes just that there's the more game. depth over there? I mean, it's, that's and that's on. Well, it's deficiencies because if you well, why, is there, why is there more countries in South why America? Why is there more depth over there? Because there's more countries. Because hurt. there's more quality, Seb. It's more quality. Okay. There are more European countries. Sure. Not right. all of them play in the World Cup, Seb. No, but you got to get through all those teams to eventually okay. get to a World Cup. And so the more quality gets there, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it is, Seb. So is this so, a shot? Is this a shot at the rest of Conmebol, or is this a shot at? Argentina, Brazil, because what he's saying is wherever those players play, it doesn't matter. Their international games no, 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 are not no. enough I don't to have think them he's ready, just right? saying Argentina, Brazil. I, I don't. I think he's referencing it as a okay. whole. Okay. But if you're Argentina or Brazil, you're taking this as a shot. Right. And if you're Argentina today, which faced them in a final, mm -hmm. ooh-wee, bringing that back up. Scaloni's got that right there. Yep. On the bulletin. See what this guy said? Yep. Ooh, you guys. He looks down on said? you. He looks down on us. He looks down on our football. Yeah, and the Argentines are very much are good at, like, finding Absolutely. that extra motivation. Absolutely. Uh, we saw it with Messi. Like, they didn't say anything before, but afterwards they had heard everything Van Gaal said. They had heard everything that, the, you know, the Dutch had said about them before, and, and they were ready to talk about it, right? Dibu Martinez talked about, you know, the supposed advantage that the easy, Dutch thought they easy, had Debo. Uh, in the penalty shootout. Okay, so tomorrow we're going to do our whole big World Cup final preview. Uh, we're going to bring Julian Laurent on. Tough, tough man to book. I mean, this guy is on television uh, all over the place. We're going to be bringing Morena Beltran back as well. So we'll have both uh, Argentina and France represented on tomorrow's show. But we always like to look at the bets, Herc. Right? Yes, sir. What are the odds makers saying ahead of such a big game? And you have dipped into what? The prop bets, the parlays? Uh, prop what you, bets. Let's what see. What did I go up? Oh, here we go. Yeah, what are you looking oh, at? Oh, I like this one. Okay. Two or more shots from my man Kylian Mbappe plays plus 140. Listen. Mm -hmm. France is very direct in the way they play. Not only in how direct they are to goal, mm -hmm. but in their intentions. Mm -hmm. It's for them to sit back, and it's for them to constantly try to find Kylian Mbappé. Okay. Whether into space or to his foot, to his feet, so he himself can literally just try to run by anybody. He is that talented. He is that fast. And he's that direct to goal. He will have chances. Two or more, and it pays at plus 140 yep. in a game where if France wins, I think he will be heavily involved. Last game, he didn't get on the score sheet. There were two scuffed shots. Shots, excuse me, that ended up at the at the feet of his teammates, and he scored, or and they scored. 
Five goals, two assists. He is as dangerous as they get here in this World Cup. And at plus 140, I think that's good value. Okay. What about your uh, second pick here on Book It? Okay, my second pick, this will go in with a score line. So under 1.5 goals. Okay, that means no more than one goal scored. And it's going to pay you plus 170. Wow. Why do I say this? The way that France plays to score and then sit back, and yes. the way that Argentina has historically played their last five finals. This will be their sixth final, okay? Sans the Brazil Copa America final in 2007, that was 3-0 loss. Every single one of those, two penalty kick losses to Chile, two finals, one was a loss, World Cup final versus Germany, 1-0, and the other one was a win, 1-0, in favor of Argentina against Brazil. Finals are already cagey as they are. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Argentina, it's going to be a gridlock. I just think it's going to be one of those games. I think whoever wins this, it may be a 1-0 scoreline or maybe 0-0 into penalty kicks. Yeah. You know my logic. Like, we've done book it a lot. So I'm always the final. It's going to be like yeah. a close, you know, 0-0 for a long time. Always take the under. My one thought is I kind of feel the same way about this game as I did Argentina-Netherlands in terms of that tactical matchup and everybody canceling each other out, and there were four goals scored in that game. Right. So, I mean, you know, a lot of them happened late, and it, maybe it's you set circumstantial, yeah. whatever, but still, there were four goals Absolutely. in that game, and I, I certainly did not All right, what you got, see Sebi? that coming. All right, so my first pick is actually right down the same line as your first pick. Okay, Kylian? I went, not Kylian Mbappé, oh, okay. two shots on goal or more. Lionel Messi. Two shots on goal or more. And look at that. It's paying out almost the exact same, plus 140. So, same. look, I I'm kind of going with you. I, I think actually Messi is, you know, Mbappe is very much a player who's going get it to get it out wide and, you know, has to kind of cut in. I, I think Messi's going to find himself, much like he did in the games against Mexico especially, like right in that danger zone. And that's where he does his damage. And I think Lionel Messi, the urgency will be there, as it has been throughout this tournament, which to me means he's going to want to get shots on goal, right? you got to put yeah. shots on target to have good things happen. You want to test the goalie. I know we think you think Hugo Lloris is much better. Uh, is better than I think he is. He's proven it. But you, yeah, he's played well this tournament, no doubt. But if he does have a, a spill, a, a big rebound in him, Messi's the guy likely. So I think two shots on goal for a player that's probably going to be on the field for 90 minutes and getting a lot of the ball. We know Argentina funnels it to Lionel Messi. I really believe that two shots on goal is not a lot to ask. So if you want to go Messi or Mbappé, Two shots on goal. Every shot after that goes up 100, plus 100. Oh, yeah. Like, if so, you think these are guys are going to be busy. Yes. So it's three shots. I think it's like a 350. Four shots, it's like a 475. So if you like that, it's there for you. All right. So I'm, I've been, look, I've been hammering Messi throughout this tournament. Usually I'm going Messi to score, which has been anywhere from like plus 150 to plus 180. The one time I took him. Messi first to score was the game against Poland where he misses the penalty. Oh, he would have been the first goal. It was dagger. like plus 300. I was salty about that one. I'm not going Messi to score here. I'm actually going Messi to get an assist, okay. which is paying out even more. So it's plus 160, I think, for a goal. It's plus 250 for an assist. Now, some of this is recency bias because I just saw him literally drop like the assist of all time in the game against Croatia in the semifinals. But I also think we have to be honest about 
the guy that's playing up top with him. Julian Alvarez is not just hot right now, but has a chemistry with Messi and seems to be reading him very well and getting into dangerous spots. He had two goals in the semifinals. He's got four for the tournament. And I think that Julian Alvarez is likely to score off a Messi assist. So I like the Messi assist there at plus 250. So what you're saying is Julian joins Killian and Messi with five goals apiece. Well, I don't. I didn't necessarily say that Mbappe is not going to score, but okay. yes, I, I could see Julian Alvarez definitely getting to five and, for sure. And, and it would most likely be Julian because right. the combination of Julian and Messi have nine of the twelve goals yes. that they have in this World Cup. I believe twelve, twelve yeah. or thirteen. So um, there are your your book it picks from Sebi and Herc. Remember, if any of them are wrong, it's Herc's fault. All right, uh, let's transition back to the teams that we've been covering for a long, long time here on Football America, specifically the Mexican national team. And of course, everybody now has an opinion on what L3 should be doing moving forward, including one-time Football America's guest and former Mexican international, Miguel Layun, who had this to say on Mexico's World Cup hopes for 2026. Quote, I don't believe a three to four year plan is enough to arrive at the World Cup in top form. It is a lie. Herc. Are we telling Miguel Layun to get lost, or is he speaking truth here? Before I tell you if he should get lost or not, uh -huh. let me just bring up the fact that the U.S. men's national team, and don't say anything, <laughs> the U.S. men's national team literally did a two-and-a-half-year program yeah. for this World Cup and got out of the group stage. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to add, and then I'll circle back to that. But I'm not telling my man to get lost. Okay, why? Because what's the one advantage that the U.S. men's national team had that today's Mexican national team does not have? A boatload of young players in Europe and hope for more to go. It's much more clear right. of where this pool is right. and where they're heading. You and I had homework of picking the 26-man roster for the next World Cup. Yep. Mine was a bit... Hard in the sense of leaving players out. Yours was hard in the sense of finding players to put in. Right. Yours was harder because there was more guys to pick from, right. but it was easier for you to feel probably confident about the team, right? Exactly. Yeah. And this is where Miguel Layun is going, and this is where I agree with him. If it was a situation that the Mexican pool was so strong that you had tons of European players, tons of young players, right. you've not even unearthed. Right. You've not even... Oh, look, another one under that rock. Right. Then that would be the case. But you know pretty much who is in that right. pipeline and who could realistically help you somewhat or even be in that panorama. Right. That's, that's a reality because there are very few surprises. There's always your Guti that comes out of nowhere for the 2018, right? right? Your Chicharito in 2010, your Guardado back in the day. Those players, 2006, those players, one of those two always exists. But that pool is pretty much set in stone when you look at it. Yeah. You know what you're going to pick from. They know what they're going to pick from. And listen to what he says, okay? Listen to what he says. He's talking about being successful in the way they want to be successful. Mm -hmm. As a home nation in a tournament of being World a Cup. Being right? a protagonist, right? Not hanging on like they were against Argentina. That's bare minimum quarterfinals. Quinto partido. That's trying to knock at the door of the semifinal. That's where I think he's going for and coming from. So I'm not telling this man to get lost. So it depends to me kind of, again, always how you, how you interpret what is being said. To me, if... Because when I first thought I was, was well, he saying that there's not enough time to bring in a new generation of players? 
So we got to stick with the old guys, which we just did. And clearly, maybe also taking a shot at what just happened, sticking with the old guys. Right. So to me, it's clear that there is a need to whether there's a million young guys in Europe and whether they're being sold or not. Like, let's find the young guys who are the young guys and let's test them out at Copa America or whatever it might be and and see where they're at. Where I really agree with him is when I when he says three to four years, it's a lie. It's like he's saying there's not enough time. And, and I think this is a, the important thing here. When you look at federations and men's national teams that have hit bottom, I'm thinking Germany in the early 2000s. I'm thinking England in 2010. Okay. What they did was not just update, like, hey, just bring a bunch of young players in. They literally restructured everything about their system. That's Reboot, right? Yes. Uh, for the Germans. Oh, the English the, wrong one. the English <laughs> laid out a 10-year a plan, right? Not, not a... Not a one cycle, two cycle plan, a 10 year plan that went down to youth development. Grassroots. Okay. Yes. I, I think Mexico here is tocando fondo. No, they're at the bottom of the sea. They yeah. are at rock bottom. Yeah. And I think he is right to say that it's, hey, whatever you're going to do, it's not a three, four year thing. You need to be thinking about totally starting from scratch and building for, yes, of course, you want to have success in 2026. But in many ways, that work had to be already done. And, and that's so, the scary part. Right. That is a scary part because if you thought this was a fracaso of all fracasos no, don't, don't, here don't in 2022 in Qatar, you're going to go into 2026 with no players under the age of 26 with World Cup experience as a host nation that is football crazy. I know. And a host nation in two different countries. Yeah, two host you're right. Nations. You're right. I think there's a good chance Mexico probably gets most of its, obviously, group phase and maybe that, that round of 32, if that's it, round of 16 games in Mexico. Once you get to the quarters, if they're lucky enough to be there, then probably you're in the United States. But even then, you're a favorite. You're a local. You're home. Yeah. You're home. You might not be a favorite, depending on who you're playing. Well, All right. For the home crowd. Uh, Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So we've talked about Mexico quite a bit. We will, of course, be talking about the U.S., as we always do on Football Americas. But what about the neighbors to the American North, Canada? That's where we're going next, here on Football Americas. Canada, of course. So for the World Cup, then, Canada is 0 for 3. Is it a fracaso or fallete? I expected them to beat Belgium. I expected them to get out. I'm going to be honest, when I saw this group, what I didn't expect them was to come undone like this. How naive this Canadian team was. The first game, you missed penalty kick. That was finishing. Against Croatia, you give them bulletin board material, right. and then you get it wrong. Those 
type of players are the ones that miss, are the ones that create the airs. It, it sends a, a message. Yeah, it's, it's a fallete. All right, it's actually been a couple weeks since uh, Canada went out of the World Cup here in Qatar, but time for a Canada post-mortem. We welcome to the Football America set Chris Jones of CBC. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, I will point out, Herc, that you have worn Canada gear like 30% of this tournament, and yes. the one time we have a real Canadian on set with us... I, I can get one right now if you'd okay, like. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we'll worry about your wardrobe. I, I've got wardrobe changes. Yeah, war we'll worry about your wardrobe later. So um, let's go back, if we can, Chris, to like beginning of the tournament and maybe what... The media and folks in Canada were expecting from this team. How would you describe the expectations for Canada coming in? <laughs> it depends who you ask. Okay. I mean, low. Really? <laughs> I really? Yeah. I mean, Canada fights this sort of, this time around, I think, fought this happy to be here mm -hmm. sort of feeling. It was the first Men's World Cup in 36 years. Yeah. Uh, it was a little unexpected. I mean, there's a podcast out there from two years ago where I said Canada had no shot uh, of qualifying, which I... I'm super happy. I, like, I was <laughs> delighted to be and wrong. And I'm sure, I'm sure the internet's forgotten. Oh, that. Yeah. it's been totally forgotten. No, yeah. it never comes up. Um, I kind of felt like a wet blanket coming in because mm -hmm. I kept saying, like, yeah, there's a gap. Like, uh, And for me, it was the Uruguay. We played, Canada played a... Uh, I'm going to slip into Wii. That's fine. He does it from time to time. Okay. Um, Canada played Uruguay in a friendly in September. Uruguay won 2-0. And everyone afterwards was like, oh, we had chances. We looked pretty good. And I was, yeah. It was one of those games where Uruguay did not try. Mm. If you really watched footy, you knew that that was a game where the other team was just like batting you around a bit like a right. ball of yarn. And um, that was the game where I kind of went. I did an interview with the CBC and they were like, what's your expectation? I was like, it'd be great if we got a goal. And the newscaster was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> we're going to advance out of the group. And I was, mm, no, I don't think we are. Yeah, it's interesting because... We talked about it a lot, and even though it was a difficult group, and I think at some point we might have thought the toughest group in the World Cup, we gave, we, gave now. Yeah, we, like we, we gave them a shot to get out. I'm curious as to, uh, let's not say pessimism, but, but why, why two years before their tournament leads up, you said there's no chance of qualifying. What, what changed, not for you, but for Canada soccer from that moment, from two years before the World Cup to qualifying, what changed to get them to qualify? I think within the team, it was a genuine sort of sense of belief. It was this idea. I think I was pessimistic because I'm, I look like this, Herc. And the last time the Canadian men played in the World Cup, I was 13. Right. Some stuff has happened. Right, right. So I'm like, you know, divorced, have kids. I'm pessimistic because I was like, it's been 36 years. Yeah. Like, why, yeah. Am I, why would I be optimistic? Right. right. Um, but then it started to build up this sense of, oh, maybe we can do this. And the, the game that really shifted it um, was uh, Canada played Panama in Toronto. Okay. And Alfonso Davies scored. He took the ball midfield and ran past everybody. A wonder goal. Yeah. And that was the moment for me when I kind of went, oh, mm. oh, maybe. Okay. And then there was a window in Edmonton where we finally, Canada finally started con like conca-calfing. Yeah. Which has not been our style. Mm -hmm. And we brought Costa Rica and Mexico to, I mean, it was right. mi minus a thousand. Yeah. You also had that famous for us flu game, that, that uh, Christian Pulisic flu game where yep. they beat the U.S. in the state or in Canada 2-0. Yes. You know? Yes. That's Which when was, it, that was that's another when at game. Least south of the border to you guys, uh, you know, everybody started turning around. What's going on in Canada? Yeah. yeah. That was the, by that time, I was I was a firm believer by that game. Uh, I know you want to say your word. Go ahead and say it. What? Fayette? 
Oh, uh, is that it? Fait? Fait? Uh, yeah, fracaso is, is the word we use in Spanish for like big failure. What, what's been the perception of, and, and Jules and, and, told French, us, Julian yes. Laurent, who of course uh, speaks French, told us that in French it would be faite or faite. Faite. Um, okay. It's like a big failure. Okay. So give us the fan um, perspective on, on this tournament, because you mentioned the kind of happy to be here vibes. Yeah. Like how are fans responding to how Canada went out here? Do they see it as a fracaso, as a big failure, or is there more happy to be here? I think there's camps. I think okay. Like anything, like I okay. think now for the first time, you know, coming into the tournament, I thought John Herman was the one coach who could go over three and have perfect job security. Hmm. Right. Like the untouchable. And now there's a little bit of a push. Really? Yeah. And it's 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 just it's it's small, but it's pretty vocal. And there are other people who think it was just great that we got here, and it was great that we got here. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that had we sort of backed into 2026 as a co-host without having qualified legitimately in 2022 i think it just feels different what's the knock on herdman from the people that want him out is it tactics is it how he handled the, the the press before the croatia match like what's the thing that they're pointing to it's or things uh for me herdman is a outstanding you know there's different managers and they have different strengths obviously mm -hmm. for me john herdman is an outstanding man manager right like he is the guy who gives you belief he's the guy who has built a real spirit of brotherhood culture right culture yes. he's a culture guy yeah I think he's a reasonable tactician, mm -hmm. like Herc, you're saying. Like he could switch things up. Right. Uh, I thought the U.S. game really showed a lot of smarts. Yeah. Uh, the two-nothing game in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Um, here it was pretty one note. It was like we're gonna go, we're gonna be relentless. And Belgium had almost worked cool. against Croatia. They're gonna cut you to ribbons, which they did. Uh, and now I think for me that sort of culture, that player loyalty, that kind of got in the way a little bit. Like the Atiba example is a great example because. Yeah. He was coming out. He should have come out. Yeah. He asked to stay on. Hmm. John Herman leaves him on. Oh, he asked yes. to stay on. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, he was coming out. So we asked Herman afterwards, why didn't Atiba come out? Because it was obvious. Love Atiba, by the way. Yeah, yeah, so, no. Like, he's a fantastic Le guy. Canadian legend. And a fantastic player. Fantastic guy. But Derek John sort of acquiesced to his wishes. And at some point, when you're managing in a World Cup, you can't do that. And I think, tactically, the Croatia game sort of shows... There's a gap there too. Right. And of course there is. He's managed 50 games. Like there's, you look to your left and you've got Louis Van Hall or whoever, like they know more. Right. And that's just part of the game. One of the interesting moments, I don't know if you remember this from earlier in the World Cup, um, was one of the Canadian presenters chucking the iPad. You remember yes, that? Yes, I do. Do you know who wrote that article? Did you, did you write that out? <laughs> oh, yeah, her. Want to go? Oh, this is classic Seb. This is classic Seb. Yeah. He did not know this was coming. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I, you have your say because he had his say. No, we'll just just be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he, I think Herc should have had his have his say. Me, Herc, I'm, I'm talking. Uh, Herc, uh, Herc might have called me a clown. Oh. I believe on Ooh. the twitters. Ooh. I did. Oh, oh, a he's, little bit. He's oh, called no, other people. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Clown, it's Muppet. Well, we get it all here. I'm on almost fifty. Americas. I'm almost fifty. I don't care about anything anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, that story did go crazy. Right? You said it was like the most clicked Crazy. story ever was, in CBC and, soccer history. And for me, it's, can we do a little, let's do a quiz. Okay. Yes. We're going to do a little survey with her. Okay. 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 Reading okay. comprehension. I love this. Not, well, yeah, Herc didn't read the story, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. If you are playing. Yes. We're going to make a little list. Okay. Okay. Now let's start with uh, just hypothetically the Belgium game. Sorry. Let me just set the table here. This is an article about Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies. don't know. And, Some yeah. mild criticism of okay. Alfonso Davies I offered. Okay in a reasoned and articulate way. 
you have a player with six times the uh -huh. penalty experience, a striker standing next to the ball. Who, okay. Jonathan David. Six times. He's the penalty taker for Lille. Correct. Alfonso Davies has taken two penalties in his entire career against okay. the Cayman Islands and Curacao, 11 nothing and 4 nothing victories. Okay. He steps up and takes your penalty, puts it where the keeper, Courtois, mm -hmm. later says, I knew exactly where he was going because he's taken two penalties and he did it again. One of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yes. Would that bother you as a teammate that he took that penalty? No. It wouldn't. Okay. No. So we're going to put that on the no side. Right. There's context to everything. There's context. Afterwards, when he says he didn't lose any sleep over missing it, would that bother you? If he says he didn't lose any sleep after missing it, what's the context here? Because if I'm should a striker... Should you have taken the penalty? Should you have taken the penalty? And he's like, I felt good about it. I didn't lose any sleep about missing it. Is that a problem for you? No. Okay. It's no. a problem for me. Well, can I tell you why it's not a problem yeah, for me? Yeah, of course. No, let's, conversation's good. Yes, yes. Uh, it's better than the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I've taken plenty of penalty kicks in my time. I love not being the bad guy. I missed show. I missed one professionally. Okay. One professionally. And I learned a lot from that one. That one, you know who the players are who miss it? The players with the stones to take it. Yes. That is the mindset. You should never be upset for somebody missing a penalty kick, let alone your most famous and established player in the program, the face of your program, let alone a player that has the mindset that every great striker this is a striker's mentality should have what's the most important play the next one the next, the next one. one yeah out of your mind if he's still dwelling on that penalty kick probably doesn't score against croatia not that that helped much but that's a reality okay the fact that he missed that penalty kick i think affected his game was Alfonso is that Davies? something for criticism well we spoke about it on again the show. when you have jonathan david standing there jonathan david's with all due respect to jonathan david not Alfonso Davies, nor on his level or anywhere near his stratosphere. When I mean, it comes penalties, to he might be. penalties, he's way better. No. And, and you had, don't play devil's advocate, because you had, you had this exact discussion on the show afterwards. Mm -hmm. If Alfonso Davies doesn't take that penalty kick and somebody else misses, you're asking, why isn't the guy with the most experience here taking that penalty kick? The most why? experience is Jonathan Davies. No, the most experience is Alfonso Davies. No. There's nobody in that. He's taking two penalties. Hold on. There's nobody in that locker room that knows what it's like to win a Champions League. Fundamentally disagree. Well, that could be. But Jonathan David is a very good striker, but nowhere near the stratosphere of pressure received, nor that type of moment like an Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies is the only one there. I don't, I, don't, I don't care who you think you have in that locker room. The question will be asked if somebody else takes it and they miss. Why didn't Alfonso Davies take this? Certainly from the outside, I can see what you're saying, because Alfonso Davies is the one name that most people that don't follow Canada would know. Let's move to the other criticisms in the article, because I want to get his kind of teammate perspective okay, on this. Okay. So I think those are okay. important so as well. So another thing, another thing that has come up is um, the players formed a union. Okay. And they started a collective bargaining agreement with Canada Soccer Good. about all sorts of things like World Cup bonuses, merchandise rights, Travel, things like that. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Davies told Canada Soccer, well, his agent told Canada Soccer, you can no longer sell shirts with my name on it before the tournament. Mm -hmm. He then signs his own deal as an individual. Uh-huh. The other players, his other 25 teammates, still don't have a deal. For me, as a union... Right. That hurts. That's of crippling. course it hurts. Yeah. Yeah, but also, how does that make sense? For who? For just in general. It doesn't. It's That's, bad. No, no, no. Just in general. Like, what what supplier, let's say Nike, Adidas, Puma, is going to allow that? 
That's the deal that got signed. And Davies is 90% of the jerseys. So he got his deal. Right. But the other guys are still waiting for theirs. And okay. they've lost the biggest bargaining chip they had, right? Which is right. their superstar All their team leverage is gone. Yeah. Okay. And it's post-World Cup now. Okay. What about the media? Like, So the media to... thing for me yeah. became, this became a big, so I led with this in the story, and I think that's part of the problem, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't care if he talks to you. Right. But Right. right. I, I assume a majority thought that was the issue. For me, that was my window into the sort of growing star problem of Alfonso right. Davies, which okay. comes down to him playing... I didn't think he should take the penalty. In the Morocco game, he started taking every corner, every set piece. They weren't good. Right. Junior Hoylet is standing there waiting to take them, the corners especially. And Alfonso this is, just this is like the Spider-Man meme with the U.S. and Canada right here, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's the exact same thing. And and But if we're talking about that, like in media terms, so Pulisic, the day before a knockout game, right. gave sit-down interviews, right. yeah. bumping up his team, yeah. promoting the sport. Mm-hmm. So I had a problem with Alphonse. He didn't talk after the Belgium game, uh-huh. which for me, you kind of got to say, I took that penalty because I had the stones. Right. I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah. But I would take it again. All you have to say. Yeah, you right. want the responsibility of the penalty, right. you got to answer for it. Either way. Then he scores in the Croatia game. That's the first goal in Canadian men's World Cup history. Does not talk afterwards. Smashing a sandwich in the mixed zone and no. Just walks right through. That for me is a different kind of problem where it's like, Canada needs to promote the sport. Right. And you're just, this is a historic moment. You got to what's, what's the context historically between the players, the press, Alfonso Davies, the press? Is it, It's not like in Mexico or in England. Right, like because there, there's a situation friendly, right? in exactly what I'm thinking about in Mexico yeah. where there's already a us versus them type of mentality. No, no. The press is a pretty good relationship with Canada soccer. Well, with, not with Canada soccer, the institution, but with the players. Right. And no one else here refused to talk. The problem for me then is is... You know, there was a moment uh, after the Croatia game where we were all upset that Alfonso didn't talk. And Canada Soccer is stopping. They stopped Jonathan David. Will you please talk right. to these guys? And Jonathan David is going, why would I talk to him? Right. Like, what did I? Why is it on me? Why is it on me? Right. And he just went, mais non, and kept walking. Well, and then add him to the list then. So, so, so this is my, this is, this is just my perspective and take it for what it's worth. Um, I was a, Decent player. I got a decent amount of attention. Never got the attention of a Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, or Sebastian Javinko, Cuatemo Blanco, you know, these guys that I was around. And what I've noticed is when you're at that level, everybody always wants something from you. Yeah, 100%. Everybody. Everybody. No matter how big, how small, everybody wants something from you. There's, there's, There's something in, like, this is how you word it, I think, like whether you owe it. And then whether there's the responsibility. responsibility. And maybe maybe it's just how, how we word it. Um, real quick, because we do got to let you go. Um, we've talked a lot about U.S. expectations for 2026. Yeah. What do you expect? What will the expectation be for Canada in 2026? Expectation or what do they have to do? What do they have to do? They have to get out of the group. Okay. So if, if, if they go – so it's the expanded World Cup, yep, 48 yep. teams. It doesn't seem clear yet if it's four, yep. right. four teams yep. or right. three teams. But say, say for argument's sake, it's the three-team groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top two teams advance. Yeah. Canada as a co-host, I'm presuming, is in the one pot. Yes. Yes. Right? You'd really have to screw up not to get out. You've got two teams. One of them is going to be uh, in uh, the 40s. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've got to get out of that group. Only one team doesn't advance to the new round of 32. Yeah. And you're a co-host. Yeah. And you've had three and a half years from now to prepare. You've got to get out of the so group. So round of 32 is enough? I'm not saying it's enough. Okay. I'm but, saying that right. is the bare minimum. What was now. the word? Fight? 
Fahit, fracaso, fracaso. For me, low expectations are the reason it took us 36 years. Right. I li- yeah. It's like, now yeah. let's start bumping that bar. I right, like that. Right. We talk about it all the time. Exigencia, no? If you demand more, uh, sometimes you get more. Not yeah. always you get more. All right, Chris Jones, man. Great great to have you here on the show. Oh, great to have so played much. soccer uh, the other day with you. Yeah. Amazing oh, goalie. goalie. This is the, this goalie, is the goalie, goalie I was telling you about. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had us down 8-1 at one point in the yeah. game. We won't talk about how the game ended. but uh, I got very tired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. Uh, I'll tell you the, the details later. It's thanks to Julian Laurent. Jules, very competitive. Uh, Chris, yeah. great to have you with us thanks for here on me. Football Americas. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, time to move on to some transfer news, potential transfer news. There are reports out of Mexico after initial report out of Argentina that Luis Suarez has been offered a two-year deal to join, drumroll please, Cruz Azul in Liga MX. The 35-year-old, of course, just finishing up his last World Cup. He was playing for Nacional most recently in his native Uruguay in the build-up to the tournament. Let's start with this from an MLS perspective. Would this be a missed opportunity for Major League Soccer to, to miss out on a player like this and see him go to what in many ways is your top competitor? No. Why not? So what version of Luis Suarez are you getting? A guy who still played a significant role for Uruguay. Yeah, where were they? Where well, are they? They had a bad tournament. They had a bad tournament. He had the, actually was that on the him? last game. Was that on him? Maybe. He didn't look good until the last game. I think beyond that, what we'd say is Uruguay's a good team. He doesn't get minutes on that team if he's not a good player still. Or maybe they struggle because they forced players who weren't playing well into a lineup. And in today's game, it's 11 versus 11. And if defensively there is a link that you can exploit, it will be exploited. Nacional? Mm-hmm. We could say that's probably a disappointing alone, right? You For him? Or like the level? What do you mean? Yes. Because it's and for and for and for him, mate. I mean, he wanted to have a place where he'd be guaranteed to play in the build-up to the World Cup. It was a short-term deal, right? Fine, fine. We understand that. Thirty-five years of age. Yeah. They're going to give him two years. I assume that's why he's going there. If he does go, that's there, the report. Yeah, if the if he years. does go, it's a report. There are very few players at that age are still very competitive. Now, what he does have going for himself is Liga Mekis per se isn't the most physical of leagues. Mm-hmm. Very technical, and he is a very technical player right. with still something left in the tank that I think in the right setup could do something. Cruz Azul, after what we saw last year, wasn't a very good team. They don't really have an obvious nine. 
right? Like he, he's a good fit for Cruz Michael Azul Estrada came from DC United, yeah. got immediate time. There's, he would certainly be an upgrade to Michael Estrada. But to carry the weight of that team yeah. in what I fully expect to be a rebuild year yeah. with the problems they have. Let, let's, let's, before we get into the Cruz Azul. No, but, but, but just for him. That's what I'm saying. So I don't necessarily think they will surround him with the pieces for him to be successful. Because you could hide certain deficiencies, if you want to call them that, of a Luis Suarez, right? Physically, yeah, emotionally, so. mentally, throughout the four seasons, because that's what he would sign for. Right. What kind of Luis Suarez would you get? If he's in the right setup for a Liga Emeki's team, because it's not the most physical of yeah. leagues, I actually think he could be decent. But in terms of MLS missed out, I don't know if they missed out. Because the report is Los Angeles, right? And then the report is Inter. Like, those are the two reports we got when yeah, it comes to these so I think it's. I think if we look at it from the macro level, the league level, um, and we talk about this a lot off camera, but it's also, I think, important to what MLS must do moving forward. You know, they're not going to be on ESPN. They're going to be on Fox. They're not going to have as much... I think availability to the common fan right. once they go behind the Apple paywall. And globally, you need to generate interest and name players generate interest. Now, Luis Suarez is not Lionel Messi. Right. He's There's not a certain a level of interest, correct? Right. But I think, you know, Luis Suarez is a name that generates interest both globally and then I do think in like specific markets. So if you're a Los Angeles and we talk about the Galaxy a lot of times kind of falling behind LAFC and they're all just left the Colorado. Maybe I think it's 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 a kind of macro big picture. There's no way they put Luis Suarez and Javier Hernandez on the same team, the same lineup. Together, okay, but right? so I, I think it's a miss for the league from a marketing sense. But I think from the Galaxy into Miami, you really think it's that big of a marketing loss? No, but I I, I do. I see think what you're saying. Star power because now Apple is going to be some of it. universal. Yeah. Right? It's still behind a paywall, but I mean, it's universal. A, and people love and the noodle Everybody wide, has Apple and Apple world, product. Right? Yes. So you assume that they would. Maybe tune in if they are a Luis Suarez fan. Maybe sure. catch a game or two. Yeah. But what Luis Suarez are you getting? I don't necessarily think it's a missed opportunity. You think, think the it, Galaxy can do better? I think you think Inter-Miami can do better? I think position? he's a good player. Right. A great player that's done good things. It can maybe be a good player for you. Mm -hmm. That's different. But a missed opportunity? I don't necessarily think that. Okay, so I'm just assuming, you know, because we know Cruz Azul has, you know, relative to other clubs in Mexico, a, a decent financial situation, right? They can pay Ooh. players. Yes, they can play. Relative to other clubs in Mexico, right? They can put together a nice package. Historically, yes, they can pay players. Right now, I don't know what we're getting or what to expect okay. from this Cruz Azul But setup. he's not going to take this two-year deal if it's not, I don't think, decent Juicy. money, right? right? And they're not going to pay him decent money to have him be a, a marketing signing or B, not be the starter. They're going to bring him in wanting him to start and really produce and dominate. Do you think he can do that? For Cruz Azul specifically, is a good fit for their system, and can he do that in Liga Mekis, which you were kind of well. Right now, it's 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 El Potro Gutierrez who's the coach, and we kind of saw how gritty and fight worthy that team was. Not right. a lot of quality, but he went on a run. Yeah, the team had a lot of belief. I don't necessarily see this team being a contender, but they will be pressured to contend. Anybody can make a run in Mexico, and, and I too. It's very forgiving. I the, don't the expect... Setup. Hold on. I was just about to mention that. I don't expect the setup to continue. 12 teams make it. Okay. I do expect that to change. I think that'll be you one of the change proposals. You don't think they're even a top-eight team? Cruz will be a top-eight yes. team. Sure, they will fight, but just fighting that 6th, okay. 7th, and 8th, okay. that's where I see them. There's a few clubs right now that, at least on paper, mm -hmm. have more. Can Luis Suarez be a Gignac a Memo Ochoa type of performer in Liga Mexico. Why do I mention these two players? Because they're the highest paid. Well, they're also the two oldest players in the best level. Yeah, Gignac is a different level of dominance, I think, even than you would say Memo, right? 
Sure. That was a difference maker. Sure, but they're both players that you've heavily invested in. Yes. And it performed very well for you. And are of a certain age, both 35 years of age or higher. Gignac, 37, I believe. Can he be that type of player? If I had to bet today, yeah. I wouldn't bet. You don't, yeah, he's, you don't think he's going to come in and dominate? No. You think he could get double-digit goals? Do, I think he could do well enough where you're like, hey, Luis Suarez. Double-digit goals in a short season? Because that's kind of, I think, the benchmark for, hey, this is... I don't think he'd get double-digit. Really? No, okay. Not right now. I mean, because of Cruz Azul, not because of Luis Suarez. You put Luis Suarez, per se... On an America. What? Tigres. Okay. Any, any, any top four team you think he, he could produce? But Cruz Azul is your doubt. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my doubt. Just quick, the, the other forward options, uh, another Uruguayan that's on loan, Carrero, Gonzalo Carrero, okay. and uh, Ivan Bravo, a, a young man from Chile. So you mentioned Michael Estrada. Clearly, right. there's a spot for Luis Suarez um, if they can make that work out. Let's talk some more transfer news. Not a player towards the end of their careers. Instead, a player very much at the beginning. And a player that's coming off a pretty good World Cup, Haji Wright. There are reports out of Turkey, or a report out of Turkey, that Haji Wright has Premier League interest, specifically from Crystal Palace. Oh, I might get to team up with Chris Richards. His club, Antalyaspor, has reportedly set his value, Herc, at 10 million euros. Ooh, that's, that's not too much. So he's lighting up the Turkish League. Is Haji Wright ready for the Premier League in your eyes? So in the eyes of many, the Premier League is the Mecca, right? Yeah. Right. Yes, no? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, without a doubt. Unless yeah. you're talking about, like, five other clubs in the world that you might Correct. say. Over at Crystal Correct. Palace, you know, your, Absolutely. your top teams in Spain, Germany, Absolutely. Italy, etc. But as a, league, as a league, it's a very me. attractive setup. Why? Well, they're in, they're in London. Yes. Okay, you're in a good spot of England. Uh, historic club. Very ambitious. Coach a lot of players can relate to. Yep. And I think... It's in the eye of the hurricane. Well, if you're in any of those English clubs uh, in London, it's a good platform for bigger and better. It just is. It's a reality. I don't want to lump him into a physicality caliber. Right. Greg Berhalter said he's his physical forward, his profile being a physical forward. I think he's just a good forward. Okay. I don't think he was put in positions to succeed with the U.S. men's national team. I don't think any nine was put in positions to succeed with the U.S. men's national team. But he's got two seasons where he's been absolutely lighting up, absolutely grabbing the attention of a lot of people. He's a player that has speed, that's good at scoring goals with his head, right foot, left foot, good movement, has decent hold-up, has decent link-up play. Scoring goals has not been the issue for him. It's not about in multiple putting, leagues, as you see there. Yes, it's about putting him in a situation to get those opportunities. I do think in a league like the English Premier League, you're going to have those opportunities. Okay. You may be on the losing side sometimes yeah. because you're going to be in a huge club, a massive club, but you're going to have those opportunities. Oh, you mentioned the manager, uh, obviously, Patrick Vieira. Let me ask you this because I see that price tag, yeah. 10 million euros. We know how much money is involved in the Premier League. If they're buying a guy for 10 million euros, I don't know that they see him as an immediate starter. Right. It's not, I think it's not they, a huge price tag. No, no, no by any means. No. Um, so that tells me that he's more of a long-term project or maybe a backup in terms of what they're thinking his role would be. Is that what's best for him? Like, hey, even if my minutes go down, I'm going from Turkey to the Premier League. If I have to sit the bench for a half season or a season and a half, I'm still getting better because I'm in a better... Is he 22, 23 years old? What I like about him is that when he's been on the field, he's produced. So if you're a forward 
you can't cool down. You have to stay right. hot. Right. So he's got to go where he thinks he can play. If that avenue to success, to playing time, he thinks is in Crystal Palace, and there's a project presented to him mm-hmm. where he sees that avenue, then take it. If not, you've got to go somewhere where you can continue to play, continue to develop. Because, listen, in that moment that you're still trying to continue to develop and score goals, guess who else is scoring goals? Josh Sargent. Right. Guess who else is scoring goals? Ricardo Pepe. Guess who else is scoring goals? Jordan Pipa. Guess who else is scoring goals? A Brandon Vasquez. Guess who else may be scoring goals and in the eye of it still Greg Berhalter? Right. It's Jesus Ferreira. Right. So there's a long laundry list of players who are scoring goals. So you have to make sure this goes for every player if you're that pool, especially in the nine position, that wherever you go, you're scoring goals. So he's 24 years old, and I think the, the point we always have to remember is the concentration of games, yeah. especially in England, because there's not just the league, there's the cup, and there's the league cup. There's all sorts of tournaments. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily see Palace in the European theater, but you never know what could happen. You never know. You never know what could happen. So I think... Conference league. Even if he's not a... You know, starting 11 in the Premier League guy, there's probably still some starts and minutes there for him. And, and as he's shown and goal elsewhere, scores are attractive. whenever he's prove, on the field, hey, he so does produce. If you can prove that you can score yep. goals at whatever rate at a club like Crystal Palace, bigger and better come knocking. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, uh, before we wrap this edition of Football Americas, it is time, Herc, to check the uh. mentions. I know you, uh, you sent the tweet out with a picture of us today. We were in the desert, right? Yeah. That was fun. Uh, so let's see what the, uh, what the people had to say. Hey, Sebi and Herc, would you? Okay, so this is a, a betting question. We were doing some uh, book it earlier. The better has a cash out option of 283000 uh, and some odd dollars there. Are you taking it? So the story here is uh, some better had a seven, not not game, but like a seven thing parlay, right? Seven things had to happen. Seven championships, events, whatever it was. The last of them is France to win the World Cup. Yes. And if this better gets that final bit of the parlay, the last leg of the parlay, it's a like 550 some thousand dollar payout. So basically it's, it's five hundred and fifty-seven thousand okay. dollars so, plus. So basically, like half, you get half, but you 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 get half. Yes. But you leave half on the table. A little you over. Give half. up so half. Two hundred eighty-three thousand dollars. What you do would you get do if you cash what in right now? What do you do? All right. So the odds here are plus like mm-hmm. two hundred thousand. It's like two hundred fourteen thousand of this happening, right? Here's the thing. He bet twenty-six dollars. Mm-hmm. On this parlay, and for this parlay to hit, Kansas City, NCAA, mm-hmm. they won. Warriors to win the NBA, they won. Avalanche to win a Stanley Cup, they won. Milan to win Serie A, they did. Los Angeles FC, LAFC to okay. win MLS, they did. Bet. And City to win the Premier League, they did. So he wins this, and before the World Cup, to cash out, the sportsbook offered him 80000 Take it now. So he denied the 80000 right. on a $26 bet. Which and is, he's this close right now to winning 
a grand total of $557,000 and like $770. What would you do? (laughs) What would I do? Yeah. I would cash out right now. What would my man do? (laughs) Right. He's gonna go all in. He letting it ride. He just he just literally said eighty thousand before the tournament okay. on a twenty six dollar bet. Nah, I'm good. Thanks. It was a twenty off of those bet. games. Wow. Off of all those games. That's so he saw literally. Okay, the tournament setting and said, Nah, I'm gonna just go ahead and do this. And he saw how they played against Australia. Didn't freak out. He saw how they played against um, Denmark. Didn't freak out. He saw how they played against Tunisia and lost. Didn't freak out. He saw how they played against Poland. Didn't freak out. And then he saw how they played against, who was it after Poland? Morocco? Quarterfinals was England. England didn't freak yeah. out. And then Morocco didn't freak out. He was probably freaking out during that England game. Well, when Harry Kane steps up to that on. penalty, he's probably pretty nervous. But they've been offering money and he's not taking it. Right. So now all of a sudden he's going to say no. This guy is crazy. I would take yes. the 280. There's no hedging your bets, by the way, uh, on this. You hedge your bet with Argentina. The difference is like a, a, a I mean, I just love that, that. He, that this better, like, thought up this seven, you know, championship parlay. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. I, at the beginning of the tournament, when they offer you 80K and you see the, the big— You bet $26 on it, man. I know, I know, I know but— France were a pretty significant favorite. Like of, one all of, the favorites. The, of all the things that he'd already seen happen, I feel like he probably had to feel pretty good that France would do it, right? Okay, so he's going to pull out now? Well, here's what I think now. Is now you're at a game and you know we've seen the SPI, you know, the computers, we've seen what the odds makers are saying. A lot of them have Argentina now as a slight favorite. Not a big favorite, but a slight favorite. I mean, it's good. I don't know how you feel about it. For me, it's a really hard game to pick. It's, it's a coin toss on top of just the fact that it's a Seb, final. Seb, think about this. All those hit, and it was cash out at 80000 and this man said, nah, let me go ahead and let France play six All right, there's more a games. big difference. I know not for you, Hercules Gomez. I see the shoes you wear and the clothes Pandas. you wear. I know that for you, there's not a big difference between 80000 and what is it, 283000 To me, to me, $200,000 a Big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. Sure. I, if I could have almost 300K, I would I would take it. Because I really do I think Argentina, I would take Argentina has a very good I, chance I told to screw you, up I your would, whole parlay. I told you I would yes. take it as well, yes. Seb. But you don't think this don't man's think been letting it ride from it. the beginning. We should have done we should have done some parlays uh here at the World Cup. And none of them would have hit like this. Nah, no. Unless you picked Morocco. Like you could you know what you could have done? I bet if you would have picked like there were eight groups. If you would have picked every group winner and nailed that, I bet you could have got a pretty big payout on a pretty you, small you bet. You get more than this is if you actually said that Morocco would do exactly what they did and then they won the World Cup. Like that avenue of teams they would play against and then win the World Cup. That's the only way you'd, you'd be a millionaire. You would be a millionaire. Kind of like Hercules Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, check the next mention here on Football Americas. And uh, this one is down to MLS expansion. What do you think of Bill Foley's comments about why he chose to buy Bournemouth rather than an MLS franchise? So you remember a couple days ago we talked about Michael B. Jordan being part of a group uh, that was buying Bournemouth. Uh, Bill Foley, who's Las Vegas, right? Yes, aces. Uh, And and he's mentioned that... uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Knights. Golden Knights. The hockey team. Yes, yes. Okay. So he was doing an interview, I think, with a British journalist. And in the interview, he was asked about, you know, potential MLS interest. And basically the point that he said was between the cost of building a stadium in America, which you now have to do to join MLS. He said that's easy, 600 million, 700 million bucks. And we also know that 
it's much different trying to get public funding for a stadium now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Cities have figured out it's, it's not really working out great for us. So if the billionaires, you know, want to have a little team, they're going to have to pay for it. On top of that, MLS is making you have a $300 million franchise fee. So Foley points out you're basically in for a billion dollars cool B. before you've hired a coach, a player, before you've played a single game. And he says, look, I could go out and buy a, a Premier League team that already has a stadium and that that first billion dollars I can put into making it better. And, and they already have the players. And driving that value Zeb, up. And already and players have are what? the players. They're assets, yes. right? So he's saying, look, I can... I can take that billion dollars, pump it into this thing, and make it more valuable. It's a better deal. What do you think? Absolutely, it's more yeah. fruitful. Yeah. Any way you slice it, I, I know what you're saying, but you can get relegated. Yeah, but you're buying into assets. Players are assets. You don't have to fund a stadium. You just have to make it better, like he said, remodel it, if you will, and you don't have that franchise fee. It's a cool billion in the wrong direction. Right. That's how right. he sees it, and yeah. that's a reality. And it's sad for a couple reasons. Let me talk about selfishly. Okay. I'd love for Las Vegas to have a team. Yeah, they might still get one. I mean, Bill Foley's well, not the this only guy. Well, this indicates that they won't get one. Let me tell you why. Mm, you don't think there'll be more interest. That's interesting. Somebody has to fund a stadium. They're clearly not seeing Allegiant Stadium as a viable option for a Las Vegas franchise. Mm -hmm. That's a reality. Or Bill Foley wouldn't have said that. They would have just played there. It's a good point, which is interesting because we've seen big events there for soccer, and that stadium... It's been a pretty good showcase. We've seen See? big crowds there. Pero no. We've seen big crowds there. Yeah. Big crowds. There's a lot of the infrastructures. I mean, it's it's not on strip. It's not walkable. It's like sixty thousand plus, and there's only five on the strip. I bet the, you that's a the, billion dollars right there. A, well, there's there's million. one on Cashman Field. There's one Cashman Field on the strip that you can renovate. Nobody's gone in where there. Where the lights play, right? Where the lights currently play. Yes, it's lights, a beautiful location. But what I'm trying to say, it's off strip. And it's not off-strip walkable. And if you've ever been in Vegas in the summer, like I know you have, oh yes, it's not a walkable in situation. In fact, I was dropped off on the opposite side of the stadium from the media it's a entrance. Forty-five minute walk. Yeah, I was sweating. By Sixty thousand plus capacity, only five thousand parking spots. Mm. It's not that great of a situation. Okay. My, my brother is a law enforcement officer in Las Vegas, and they joke about how much of a logistical nightmare right. the stadium is. Right. Somebody would need to come in, okay. according to his comments and build or remodel a stadium, and then the franchise fee. Other situations or plazas, if you will, already have that kind of sorted. It may be for Vegas outside looking in. And just in general, what does this say that you have American investors who are infiltrating football mm -hmm. right now the at Premier the world's League. level? At the world's level. Like every week we get Everywhere. a new announcement. Everywhere. And they don't see your model as good business. What does so that say? That, to me, is the big bummer about this. That there's an American with a ton of money that wants to do business in the soccer space. And the infrastructure here is not enticing to him. Yeah. That's, that's a real bummer. Those dollars that could be growing the game here, creating more opportunities so that maybe one day our argument goes my way that the Maybe. U.S. can compete for a World Cup title legitimately, without investment, you're never going to even get close to that, right? To my side of that argument. Sure. And here's a big check, a big chunk of investment that just went over there because there's better value. And I think we can, you know, we can point at MLS and say, 
you know, it's your fault, MLS. And there's some truth to that, but MLS is its own business, and they right. have the right to run that business Absolutely. however they want. And I'm sure there are ways in which they measure it and say it's been very successful. That's okay? MLS's prerogative, not U.S. soccer. Exactly, not the that's, that's what I'm getting to. U.S. soccer, the federation, which for many, many, many years did whatever was best for MLS, not what was best for everybody, what was best for MLS, needs to take a look at this money going overseas and say, what can we do with our system? What can we possibly do here to entice people to invest? Whether it's Major League Soccer, whether it's in the lower leagues. Because to me, that's actually the space for most growth from a business potential, but also from a, what I care more about, soccer potential, right? If you start putting real programs with real academies and real professional teams in cities like Las Vegas or places where there isn't MLS right now, right. you're going to create opportunities. So the next Hercules Gomez is getting great coaching, great training at 8, 10, 12 years old and eventually has a chance to be sold to Europe, be a superstar, wherever that may be. Is it promotion relegation? Is it, is it that easy? I understand that's, you know, it's a whole other can of worms and how the Federation might enforce that or, or convince MLS to join a, a more open system, if not a totally open system. I know it's a, it's a complex conversation. But absent that conversation, we got billions, potentially billions, walking out the door well, and... Potentially, they're already out the door. And this making door. our competition better. Who did the U.S. just play in the World Cup? Yeah. England. Yeah. So you're making a competition better. And I don't blame Bill Foley. He's a businessman. He's, of course. Do, do what you got to do. So... I think every time we see one of these announcements, and, we, and we're very happy for Michael B. Jordan and everybody, we got to say, hey, U.S. soccer, don't you see this money walking out that door, and doesn't that irk you a little bit? Don't you realize that the opportunity I, I'm lost? I'm not happy for Michael B. You're not? Oh, Drago should have knocked him out. Ah, okay, uh, last one here on Check Dimensions. La Tercera La Vencida from Matthew Gonzalez. Who'd win in a 100-meter dash? Seb or Herc, we had uh, plenty more than 100 meters available to us earlier today in the desert. You fast? I was pretty quick in my day, bro. I was pretty quick. I was pretty You quick. know I've not done anything since I've retired. So, so like, I think it would be a pretty – I think you – so I'll say this. I've not done anything right. since I retired. And that's where my opportunity kind of slides in. Seven years. It's been seven years since you retired. No. Six Going on seven, 2007, yeah, yeah. I, 2016. End of 16, yeah. so six. Um, you don't go to the gym at all? <laughs> to eat. <laughs> you, um, we know we did, you did the MLS Liga Mekis All-Star Skills Challenge with Mao, and how did that go? Remind me. I won. Okay, but how did it go for you physically? Ooh, my quad was torn. Okay, was there sprinting involved in that? No. Okay. But, but uh, two years before that, I did the NFL Skills Challenge, uh -huh. and I gave Mao a five-second head start and beat him. Okay. I'm not Mao, bro. I'm not Mao. I gave, what's the other one, Prunella, what's his name? Ramiro? Ramiro Prunella used to play in the NFL, and I beat him as what well. What position did he play in the NFL? What position did he play in the NFL? Okay, oh, you beat an O-lineman, no. Hercules Gomez. No, 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 in everything, in everything. Oh, in the bench press? Everything. Oh, yeah, okay. Everything. I'd definitely outbench you. <laughs> I've yes, not no. lifted. I think anybody Bro. who saw the pictures of me in the desert, they have Bro. no doubt who would win the bench press competition. I don't, honestly, I don't know who would win. You're nervous. I, I see you're nervous, No, dude. because cause you just hit it, like, nail on the head. I could tear yeah. something. Yes. I've not done anything in seven years. Now, when you were a player, you were very physically gifted. Not to say you yes. were technically gifted, but you were, oh, you were I a would fast smoke dude. You. Especially early, pre-ACL, as some might say, <laughs> yes? You were a rocket, right? That was, that was kind of my, one of your... One of your big 
What did Manny? My Eso boy, lo dices tú. My boy Manny Bellucci was here, came to see us. What do you say about the beef test? I don't remember what he said. The only man who's ever beat him in the beef test. Really? But the beef test also conditioning more than sprint. Yeah, I had it right? all. Um, ah! No! Uh, all right, quick correction from our show a couple days ago. You always correct me, except when I need you to. Uh, we were talking about Messi Ronaldo. I said they never played in a Champions League final. Of course they did, 2009. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking Real Madrid Barcelona. United Barcelona. United Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, so we got that one in. Huge show tomorrow. We'll, of course, be doing some recap of the of the third place game. We got Croatia and Morocco. Was that Chicharito? Uh, Chicharito a, was on that team. A full World Cup final preview. Argentina versus France. You don't think it's a dream final. I believe it's a dream final. Uh, Morena Beltran, Julia. Julian Laurent going to stop by. And a different time for tomorrow's show. We've been 4 p.m. Eastern time. The so show was long. I feel like we did five of them. Right. For, I know. For uh, most of this World Cup. But it's 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, not long after the conclusion of the third place game between Croatia and Morocco. For Hurt, producer Beto, our crack production team. I'm Sebi, signing off from Doha.